Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingling through space. Welcome to Trivia Escape Pod. I am your host, Julia Sorensen. And I am Ross White. It's December 24th, 2019, and we are searching for a hospitable planet. But in the meantime, we have trivia questions today about maps and legends, Egyptian gods and military tacticians, as well as a change one letter movie round cooked up by our AI. We are going to be asking these trivia questions in four rounds to test your knowledge and occasionally your creative thinking. You know where you are? You're in the escape pod, baby! You're going to die in the escape pod! Welcome to the escape pod! Won't you bring me to you? This week's intro was Welcome to the Escape Pod by our old pal, Dr. Spen. I can't tell if he needs to be stopped or awarded. No, I think he needs to be encouraged to do as many more of these as he possibly can. There is a whole canon of great, great music for him to bastardize. Well, Dr. Spin, if you want to give us a, a Christmas parody so that we can use it next Christmas time, that would be great. Because hopefully we'll still be doing this by next Christmas. Oh, it, it feels like a lock if Dr. Spin continues to invest the the time. And, you know, I, I'm sure that just based on the sound quality, he was in a professional recording studio. Oh, absolutely. That was Inside flawless. of his Mazda. It sounded like he was in my head. It, <laughs> sadly, he is in my head a lot in my dreams. <laughs> oh, nightmare. No, I kid. I kid. Jules... It is Christmas week. Mm-hmm. That's all I have to say about that. Excellent. Yeah. A great update. Well, I hope all of you guys are having a, a very happy holiday season. Um, and I have achieved a childhood dream of mine today. Go on. I finally got a library card. I it, had never owned one It has one only before. just happened. Yes, because I never had a library close to me growing up in Florida. and That tracks. It's Florida. Yeah. Um. And when I was a little kid, you know how like all the kids cartoons have like an episode about the library. It's like, go get a library card. It's what the cool kids do, like Arthur and all those cartoons. Sure. Um, I really wanted one because, you know, impressionable child. So I went to my mom and she was like, okay, we'll take you to the library. She took me to Books a Million, <laughs> dead ass, telling me it was the library because she didn't want to make the committal of like me bringing back books every week. So like she's taking me through all the books and she's like, pick out what you want. And I'm like... Wait, don't I need a library card? And she's like, use a different kind of card here. <laughs> so now I finally got my own library card to use in North Carolina. And are you going to suffer from the delusion that you don't have to bring the books back due to deep childhood and slash Florida trauma? No, because I am already halfway through of what I got today. Oh, yeah? What'd you get? I got a book on ancient Celtic traditions, which I didn't realize was in the children's section because the cover looked very interesting. It's by National Geographic, though, so it still checks as factual. Well, sure. And um, and in fairness, you've had limited experience navigating a library. Yes. It's yeah. also weirdly graphic because I didn't know that like ancient Celts literally sacrificed people, and the bodies are so well preserved they're 2200 years old but you can see the hair the fingernails the facial details it is wild yeah right on and then i got two books on witchcrafty stuff ah there it is <laughs> and what are you planning to do with those young lady um nothing you need to know yet <laughs> <laughs> no nah, but it's just uh one of them was like home-based magic so just ways to make the 
energy in your home a little bit nicer and spiffier because you know i work from home a lot because i don't like being in my office so it gets kind of cluttered in my brain so i'm just thinking of ways to like i don't know make it more parsimonious i will admit that i was at a bookstore the other day and i was looking at books on witchcraft and i literally almost bought one of them for you oh yeah thank you for the thought um yeah. but now that i have a library card i can just go check them out well and i was like I, you know what i probably don't need to encourage further witchiness just in case <laughs> in, at some point in the future engineer rachel plays a prank on me and i wake up programmed to do something mean to you i just don't want that kind of retribution well anything that she does to you will come back three times to her that's how the rule of thumb mm, goes it's true it's true spock has put in an appearance today and he is looking festive hello festive boy rachel has dyed his fur so that he has got red fur with a little bit of white piping and uh, what seems like black buttons across his belly also i can't tell but are his eyes just ornaments now they do seem to be. Did she yeah. give him all new eyes or are those like cat contact lenses? The, I think those might just be like those dangling ball ornaments that you put at the bottom of the tree and she has surgically implanted those into his face. All right. Because his eyes are huge. Have you noticed that? They're, it's also why he's bumping into everything. He is. He really seems to have no sense of direction today. All right. Um, Ross, I think I see something on the radar. It looks like somebody else is floating through space in an escape pod. Let's perform the docking maneuver. All right. Analyzing passenger manifest. I'm going to open up the airlock. Our guest today is a former college professor, served as a lead hockey researcher for the Minnesota Wild, and a baseball operations consultant for the Oakland A's, and currently works for SMT. Hello to Andrew Thomas. Hello, friends. How are you all doing today? Hello, friend. Um, we are doing great. What are you doing in space on this very Christmassy eve? Well, you know, sometimes you just want to step out for a little bit of a walk, and you get a little lost, and that's why it's good to get picked up occasionally. <laughs> it is, indeed. Now, I noticed that your escape pod looks suspiciously like a hockey puck. It is, I mean, it's perfectly sort of... Uh, cylindrical in that stout way why an why a hockey themed escape pod well you want something that's going to spin and reflect and uh show off the glory of that trajectory you're getting but somehow not be visible on tv unless you've got a very keen eye for it well i noticed that as you were approaching us you there was sort of a uh what looked like a digitized tail uh and immediately i thought well that's not gonna that doesn't work i don't know about that Sometimes you just have to go with whatever the hockey gods bring you. And if it's a weird hockey tailed God. ship, <laughs> comet-like or otherwise, you just got to go with that. Now, do you sacrifice to the hockey gods much like you do to the ancient Celtic traditions? Well, it's not quite like the Celtic traditions in terms of the sacrifices, but it's all very ritualistic. Okay. You got to make sure you carry the same routines. You got show up and you, just, you take the steps at the same time. You tie the laces in all the same ways. The hockey yes. gods are very particular about sides of things. You want to go left before right and everything. Or right before, or right before left. Whatever's worked in the past is what must work in the future. Just don't break the traditions. Exactly. Got it. Okay. Well, Andrew, you are uh, you are the second guest we've had on with an intimate knowledge of hockey. Of course, Wade Mentor, who uh, does the on ice announcing uh, for the Hurricanes, has been here with us a couple of times. Uh, but uh, some of your experience in hockey was uh, was up north. You worked for the Minnesota Wild for a few years. I did. It was a very exciting and interesting time. Tell us a little bit about some of the work you did, because you have a PhD in statistics. I do. And so were you working on analytics with the Wild? I was. I was working up in the front office and consulting with the people who were trying to make decisions about players and uh, and strategies and lots of those different things. 
Now, as I understand it, uh, that is not an approach that has been fully embraced by every NHL team. So we don't have to talk about the Wild specifically. I'm not gonna not gonna ask you to say anything about that. But uh, what what are your observations about how the NHL as a whole uh, has embraced the analytical revolution? Well, it's funny because a lot of the other sports have gotten access to data that I think has made it feel really good. Uh, or at least really workable within a front office kind of context. You've seen baseball been doing this for 15 or so years with all their new tech watching optically where the where the pitches go and everything. And it's been really easy to buy into it once you get that kind of data. And now uh, basketball and football have got a lot of their stuff going because the players are big and the ball doesn't move too quickly. But hockey's been trickier because you got a tiny puck that moves real fast and you can't necessarily see everything you can with a camera. But I think we're we're looking towards some really neat stuff coming. I think more teams are going to buy into it than they did before and really appreciate what the nerds can do. See, I really appreciate hockey players because while they're doing all these sporty things, they're on ice skates. I can't skate two feet without the handrail for my life. Uh, me neither, which is why I actually appreciate the nerds in the front office doing the <laughs> analytics. Like that stuff fascinates me to no end. Uh, and, and you know, I, I like many people. I first sort of learned about analytics from baseball. I had no interest in stats until, um, really, until Billy Bean uh, got things fired off in Oakland. And I know you you worked there for uh, for a little while as well. I did. I've I've met him a couple of times. I worked mostly remotely on small projects and things like that. But the gang there, they had their heads on straight a lot of the time, figuring out new things they wanted to learn from data, and uh, they had their reputation for it at the same time. So, well, Andrew, I actually feel bad because here we are. We're peppering you with questions about work, and of course, uh, the the way that you really came to us is you are at this point, I think, a semi pro, if not straight up pro trivia question answerer you've got a long history now uh appearing on numerous other podcasts uh i have it on good authority that uh that you've been on jeopardy as well i've been on millionaire i have not been on millionaire my my apologies i would like to be on jeopardy so if any of the jeopardy people out there remember my name and think that they want to give me a call well you know where to find me all right so uh alex trebek i know you're a listener uh <laughs> avid listener yeah um the, the swedish alex trebek probably swedish, actually yes an, of an course avid listener um uh, he talks like the swedish <laughs> chef i like how, but, 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 but. okay actually that would make jeopardy so much more enjoyable i would freaking love that <laughs> if it was specifically the swedish chef or yeah. any muppet would, would oh, be the i'm host. thinking like the Swedish chef but dresses Alex Trebek. I would totally watch that. Yeah, and like the text on the screen would still be the same, but everything he's like but spoken as the Swedish chef. Yes. Yeah. And and honestly it would be like a puppet Alex Trebek but with the real man's hands. Oh, cuz you know that's what makes the Swedish chef so great is the real person hands. But it would be Alex Trebek's hands. I think we've crashed and crashed that. <laughs> crossed into eldritch abomination territory with this kind of thing. <laughs> uh, but so talk to us a little bit about um, some of your some of your favorite experiences being on trivia shows. Well, I've, there's been a few out there that I've been listening out there casually as a as a listener and thinking while yelling in my car, hey, I knew that or, you know, or, <laughs> or damn, I didn't know that, that uh, enough of the people out there that once you reach out to them are very kind and feel like having you on their show, too, much like you both and. Um, I think a lot of the, the fun there when you get into a situation where you're recording remotely at whatever time of the day, um, 
is you feel like you're connecting a little bit with the the nerd culture that's out there, even remotely across an entire continent in a lot of these cases. I know at least a few times listening to some of these shows, they'll have guests. If they're recording in the U.S., they have guests in Europe, Australia, uh, Asia, lots of different faraway places. And so you get the opportunity to unite and be part of that little community, even if you're just stuck in your own room. Or stuck in an escape pod. Yeah. Or in the middle of space. Or in the middle of, in, of of the middle of nowhere, but you can still transmit back home, right? Well, we hope that our signal is reaching Earth. We are never fully sure, uh, though we do get emails every so often saying that we've charted in Sweden. So, yeah. <laughs> Andrew, here are the rules for today's trivia. We've provided you a pencil and paper, and we're going to ask you some questions. Our intelligence scanners will give you points for each answer that you get right, but our AI has developed a sense of humor, so in addition to correct answers, it now seems to be giving points for answers that are so wrong that they make us laugh. We'll ask all the questions for a round to give the listeners time to think about their own answers, and then we'll check in with you to see how you did. Let's do it. All right. Take a number one of our general trivia round. Um, number one, what mammals are nearly undetectable by infrared cameras? I'm, I'm thinking Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy when he's like eating the chips very slowly. He's like, you can't see me. I am so still. <laughs> Question number two, which fictional character said, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. That's worth 50 points. And for another 50, which disgraced politician played him? Oh, the fact that you have to be described as a disgraced politician, that's intense. I mean, I could have just described him as a politician, but isn't it fun whenever anyone's been a politician to mention their disgrace? I feel like that's like 85% of them, though. I, I think it's all of them, just for some of them, it's still in the future. Yes, valid. I think you're pretty much assigning that tag to yourself, just getting into politics. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right, uh, number three, and this is a multi-part question, so we'll have three A, B, and C. Tell me which Egyptian god or goddess I am describing. Three A, a decorated eye in an Egyptian hieroglyph refers to the eye of which god? 3B, which mother goddess shares her name with a cartoon spy agency? And 3C, who was the goddess of protection and cats? Now, our AI is indicating that Spock wrote 3C. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. No, this is very important to him that he get credit for it, apparently. He just wants to be royalty. He, you know, he's basically like that Lord song. <laughs> Question number four. How many hearts does an octopus have? That's worth 50 points. Not worth 50 points. How many of those hearts are capable of love? But the Grinch's, the Grinch octopus's heart grew many sizes that day. <laughs> Can you imagine if there was just another rendition of the Grinch Who Christmas, but it's just a fucking octopus? Dude, octopus, <laughs> octopi are extremely smart. I know, but I'm just picturing like one like thumping around with all his tentacles down like a snow hill or something. You know what? I would I would take one of those in the White House rather than what we got. Valid. All right. Number five. Um, I will name a college football team and you tell me who their current head coach is. 
and this has four parts. <laughs> You're shaking your head. <laughs> this has four parts, so 5A through D. Uh, 5A, tell me who the current head coach is of UNC. University of North Carolina. Yes. For our listeners in Colorado who may be confused by such things. Sorry, I'm used to a local audience there. <laughs> uh, 5B is Michigan. 5C is UCLA. And 5D is Alabama. It's bowl season. And I have a rant, which yes. I will curtail somewhat. But naming rights on bowl games is dumb. I feel bad for the players who are like, ah, we're going to a bowl game. When I'm older, I'll be able to tell my kids I played in the Red Box Bowl. And they'll say, Grandpop, what was Red Box? Oh, and no. I'll have to explain, it was a box that had DVDs and games. What's a DVD? And, 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 and it was red. <laughs> and it was red. I mean, that just naming rights are dumb. <laughs> I, think, just dumb. I think you should only be naming bowls after things that can be put in bowls. Can you co put a Red Box in the bowl? No. not. Can you put uh, oranges in a bowl? Yes. Can. Therefore, can you Orange put bowl, yeah. sugar in a bowl? Yeah. Can and must put sugar in a bowl. <laughs> can you put a rose in a bowl? For yeah. sure. Can you put Chick-fil-A in a bowl? Sadly, yes, yes you can. You can. Yeah. <laughs> it's like um when my advisor and I went to Kentucky for my first conference, our hotel was right next to the uh Kentucky Fried Chicken Center. We thought it was a museum about KFC, and we were really excited to ironically go. And then it's a sports stadium, and we were very sad. Oh. Who plays in the Kentucky Fried Chicken Center? Apparently, it's, uh, I think it's college sports and some basketball games. I'm unsure. Was this in, was it in Louisville? Yeah, it was in Louisville. Uh, good, because it would have been weird if it was in Alaska. <laughs> they Question. just feel like KFC in Alaska. <laughs> question number six. Name the following TV shows. It's a four-part question. 6A. This TV show followed the administration of President Bartlett. 6B, a high school chemistry teacher cooks meth. 6C, a snarky host makes fun of people who try to recreate photo-worthy desserts and fail. 6D, a cybersecurity engineer and hacker with social anxiety disorder and clinical depression is recruited by an insurrectionary anarchist. That last one sounds like a mouthful. It is a mouthful. Good show, though. Good show. All right. And number seven, which is the last question of this round. Which influential American environmentalist wrote the landmark book Silent Spring? I can hear the scribbles. Furious. He's working hard. Oh, no. He's scribbling through that answer. He's writing a, a more correct answer. All right, Andrew, let's find out how you did in our general knowledge round. How are you feeling so far? I'm feeling, you know, fair. All right. Well, we will see if that fair feeling is warranted. Are you feeling jolly? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> question number one. Which mammals are nearly undetectable by infrared ca uh, cameras? Right. I almost said infrared camels. <laughs> I don't know what is wrong with me. I, yes, the CIA is secretly programming camels to have infrared vision. Okay, I would believe that the CIA totally is doing that. that. I yeah. could really believe that, too. Yeah. That's a little a little too close to the market. I mean, we are deeply occupied in the Middle East. <laughs> All right, so I got to think on this one that it's got to be something that doesn't put out a lot of heat. 
or is well designed to not put out a lot of heat, and therefore I'm thinking it's me because I'm cold as ice. <laughs> but you're like the foreigner song I, over there. I am very much the foreigner song. So I'm gonna make a a an educated-ish guess and think it's something that might be in the water, and I'm gonna go with dolphins. Ooh, I'm sorry. The correct answer is polar bears. Ah, it was cool. yeah. yeah. Also designed not to put out a whole lot of heat. Yeah. I think they would probably have to put out a whole lot of heat, given that it's freaking cold up there. It's true. They're trying to keep it in. Mm. Number two, which fictional character said, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. And which disgraced politician played him? Well, I think I'm going to do this in the reverse order, because the disgraced politician was my former senator, Mr. Al Franken. That correct. is correct. And he appeared this in this as this character both in Saturday Night Live and in a movie that I have never seen and never cared to see. And I think I'm, like maybe twelve people saw that. Just movie. about <laughs> yeah. saw saw Stewart saves his family for Mr. Stewart Smalley. That is correct for another fifty points. Question number three: Tell me which Egyptian god or goddess I'm describing. Three A: A decorated eye in an Egyptian hieroglyph probably refers to the eye of which god? Well, I'm going to have to go with my Indiana Jones knowledge here and guess that it's the same as the eye in the staff of Ra. Ooh, unfortunately, oh, unfortunately, no. it is Horus. Ah, Horus. But like Indiana Jones is so factual, isn't it? Obviously. Are there not aliens living in crystal skulls or whoever the hell that movie was? Well, that's true. That's part. That's out of my canon. <laughs> I'm just going for the reality of the Ark of the Covenant. Not here. my Indiana Jones. No. Three <laughs> B. Which mother goddess shares her name with a cartoon spy agency? Seriously, I, ha- I had something good for this. That's I. That would be ISIS. That is a- that is correct. Uh, yes. Yeah, shares her name with another group of folks, but we thought maybe that was too much of a downer. For oh. but you know, if the CIA's got uh, you know infrared camels, <laughs> why can't we just come up with a new name for them? Uh, truly, well, I kind of liked when everyone called them ISIL. ISIL was good. Yeah. 3C. And they're not, sorry, I should disclaim, ISIL is by no means a good organization. <laughs> it was preferable. Let's put it that way. As a name. As and a minor. As a name. Sure. Uh, 3C, who was the goddess of protection and cats? Oh, I'm, I need a little bit of, of uh, cat love in order to get me through this one, because otherwise Spock, I got Spock has gone Help back through the bulkhead. Spock's not helping me on no. this one, but I think I'm going to have to go completely wild in this one and say, oh, wait a minute, was it Bast? It yeah. was Bast, yeah. Such a wild guess. <laughs> Such a wild guess that where I'm rambling long enough to recall what the correct answer was. <laughs> All right, number four. How many hearts does an octopus have? All right, I got When no- he's not stealing Christmas. When he's not stealing Christmas. I got no good guess on this one. So I'm going to have to go with the space theme and the creepiness and longevity of octopuses to think they must be time lords and say that they have two hearts. Oh, sadly, one off. It was three. Ah, uh, well, other lucky number. But any octopus time lords would only have two hearts. Yes. Number five. Or six, but you know. <laughs> number five, we named a college football team. You had to tell me who their current head coach is. 5A, the University of North Carolina. Uh, I'm going to say that New University of North Carolina is coached by Santa Claus, because why not? Today and today only, that is true, but normally it's Mac Brown. Mm. 5B, Michigan. I forget which one it is, but if you're a last name only gang here, I'm going to go with Harbaugh. Harbaugh is a correct answer. We're going to give you 50 points. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, currently at at Michigan, one of my best buddies on the planet, texts me weekly updates of what Jim Harbaugh is doing. So apparently, if you're a Michigan football fan, it's you ride or die. 5C, UCLA. Well, I'm g- going to go back to the Christmas well for this one and say that UCLA is coached by John McClain from Die Hard. 
You know, um, we wish they yeah. would be a better team if mm. that were true. Uh, they are coached by Chip Kelly, which is not as good a name. And five D Alabama. Uh, this is the one I actually know because of my very dear friend who watches Alabama football, you might say obsessively. This is Mr. Nick Saban. That is correct. All right. Number six, we had you name the following TV shows. 6A, follow the administration of President Bartlett. Oh, you're making me nostalgic here for the West Wing. Oh, me too. I wake up somewhere. I'm rewatching it right now, and I wake up sometimes from our stasis beds, and I just think... Ah, yes, our president is good and... Oh, wait. Oh, no. Oh. Oh. Uh, 6B, a high school's chemistry teacher cooks meth. Uh, that would be baking bread. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, that's breaking bad. <laughs> uh, there's meth in the bread. Yes. Um, 6C... Baking bread is like every other show on HGTV. <laughs> um, 6C, a snarky host makes fun of people who try to recreate photo-worthy desserts and fail. I don't know this one for sure, but I'm going with my Netflix foo here, and I'm going to guess it's Nailed It. You're correct. It is Nailed It. One of my personal favorites on Netflix, especially mm. have you seen the new Christmas episodes that just got released? Oh, not yet. <gasps> oh, they're a treasure. They're great. I, I got to love. I, I, I got I to gotta love. I got to admit, apparently I've already had too much to drink. I've had one beer. <laughs> uh, I got to admit, I there's something about the way that they're always mocking the contestants without outright being hostile towards them. That just delights me to no end. I think about it's mostly it. the camera angles. Like they don't have to say anything; they just have to slowly zoom in on what they're doing, and it's funny. But the host is so gleefully into how bad they are. Yes, it's Nicole Byers. I love Nicole Byers. She's, she's great. Oh, she's pretty great. Now I gotta watch the damn thing. Yes, definitely do that, especially the new Christmas episodes. All right. Um, and then six D, a cybersecurity engineer and hacker with social anxiety disorder and clinical depression. Is recruited by an insurrectionary anarchist. <laughs> insurrectionary. Inter- insurrectionary. Uh, I don't know where We shouldn't have given you beer either. Well, no, I'm just stupid. Well, I don't know if you're, you're Styx fans or if this is even space worthy, but if I'm going to go with Domo Arigato, Mr. Robot. Yes. Oh. <laughs> also, Big Sticks fan right over here, this guy. <laughs> oh, my God. Why, too? Like, you know, I've been listening to uh, a fair amount of both Sticks and Asia hmm. recently, because in my mind, they're sort of the same band. Well, are you, in fact, in fear for your life from the long arm of the law? Oh, indeed. <laughs> Number seven, which influential American environmentalist wrote the landmark book Silent Spring? That would be, uh, she's got a bridge named after her in Pittsburgh. That would be Rachel Carson. That is correct. Julia, at the end of one round, what is the AI telling you that Andrew has got for a score? Uh, We got some jingle bells flashing up and they are ringing 550 points. Yeah. Is that a good score? I don't have any context. We're pretty happy. Now, our our pod is powered by correct answers. And every time we get 1,000 points on a podcast, it propels us into a new sector of space we are currently somewhere in the gamma quadrant. We're having real trouble uh, getting our bearings, but a thousand points would probably get us closer to a habitable planet, which we so desperately desire. If only we had a map or a legend. The legend of Korra? No? No. No? The legend of Christmas. <laughs> round two is a maps and legends round. Andrew, we've got seven questions for you about maps and legends or things that may or may not be related to those. Let's jump right in. Number one, if we put north at the, I'm sorry, we do put north at the map. 
Oof. I also put north on the map. Ah, <laughs> Sometimes you just forget it, you know? We put north at the top of the map now, but it used to be that European map makers put which direction at the top of the map? All and, right. And you know what? Bonus points if you can tell us why. I bet you can. Oh, I'd like to know that myself. <laughs> uh, number two, and this has three parts to it. If you kept the world's current borders and swapped things around so that the population lined up with the landmass, the population of China would head to Russia, which has the largest landmass. Using these rules, answer us this. Which country's population would occupy Canada? And then 2B, which continent would contain the populations of Japan, Iran, Mexico, Italy, Iraq, South Korea, and a ton more? And then uh, 2C, four countries would occupy the same space that they occupy now. Yemen, Ireland, and Brazil are three of them. What's the other one? All right, Julia, I want to make sure that I've, I've got this right. So basically what we're saying is that the size of the population dictates where which borders they will migrate into. And yes. so the population of China goes to Russia because Russia occupies the greatest land mass. And China has the largest population. Yes. Got it. Okay. Wow. That's a tough one. So it's like the classic tall people go to the back of family photos. Pretty much, yeah. Yes. Okay. My, my motto, pretty much. <laughs> Question number three, Andrew. Which rock band had a hit in 2003 with the song Maps? Number four. The Peters projection and the Mercator projection are different ways of looking at world maps. The Mercator has been used for a long time, but the Peters projection fixes what problem? And, you know, speaking of the West Wing, I actually just rewatched the episode it's one of the greats. Where, where people come and talk to CJ about the Mercator projection. And she, her mind is blown. Because <laughs> you're freaking me out. <laughs> Number five, Andrew, what is the word for the science of making maps? I was going to say something funny, but I truly had nothing. Nothing. I heard crickets in my brain. Um, number six, Interstate 40 runs from North Carolina to California, but Interstate 30 only runs through two states. What are they? Ross, have you ever played a game called Ticket to Ride? Oh, I love Ticket to Ride. I played it for the first time uh, over Thanksgiving, and I truly had no idea what I was doing. I did pretty well for my first time playing, like score-wise. But like I would, I had this big conglomerate monster of a train track, and then I had like a tiny itty bitty one going nowhere. And like Ryan's cousin, who is a very avid player of the game, and she's like trying to help me, she just lost it. What are you doing? This makes no sense. <laughs> I that's one of my favorite games on the planet. It was fun. I'd like yeah. to play it again. Speaking of the interstate uh, highway system, though, I just learned that uh, Dwight Eisenhower at early in his like early early in his military career was forced to do sort of a, a transnational um uh sort of troop movement and it was terrible because at the time this was like 1919 at the time america had terrible roads 
And so some historians think it was that horrible experience that all those years later made him push to sign the inter- interstate highway system into law. And I just thought, well, that's a much better that? thing than thanking Hitler. So, I mean, we're already in right. a much better spot. Yeah. yeah, no, apparently he had had this very formative experience early. I don't know if that's 100% true. Hmm. I just, I heard it somewhere and I parrot things that I've heard in other places. Number seven is our final question in the Maps and Legends round. The fake locations put on maps to catch copycats and plagiarists eventually gave their names to a John Green novel. What was it? Now, Andrew, you seem to be an adult man, so I'm guessing that John Green novels are not exactly your jam. I am aware that he is an author who has sold many books, but none of them to me. Yes. Don't kink shame our guests. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay to like John Green novels if you're a 13-year-old girl. No, I'm kidding. I'm completely kidding. (laughs) Yes, it is not okay to like John Green novels if you're a 13-year-old girl. It's not okay at any time. Absolutely kidding. I'm sure it is. I'm sure he's wonderful for some readers. For some reason. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, if they're making movies off his stuff, it's got to be at least somewhat redeemable, right? Well, that's giving a lot of credit <laughs> to a lot of shitty movies out there. Andrew, let's see how you did in our maps and legends round. Number one, we put north at the top of the map now, but it used to be that European map makers put which direction at the top? This is going to be a pure guess here, and I would just say north if I was even snarkier about it, but I'm going to guess it's the, to the south because that's where the Mediterranean is, and that's where the sun is. Ah, interesting. The correct answer does have to do with the sun. It's east because it's the direction that the sun rises. Ah, okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Fascinating. So at what time point did they start putting north? I would assume before they colonized America, so we don't have East Dakota. The only one we don't have is east. We have a north, a south, and a west. But I'm guessing it's whenever compasses got fashionable. Wait, where the hell is West Dakota? There's no West Dakota, but there's a West Virginia. That's oh. It. There's no place named east. West Dakota. Yeah, we have that. It's called Idaho. Mm. Oh, dang. No, Utah. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. Don't yeah. get snarky, Andrew. <laughs> Number two. So uh, to recap, if you kept the world's current borders and swapped things around... So the population lined up with the landmass, then the population of China would head to Russia because that has the largest landmass for the largest population. Answering us this, that was a sentence. Answer us this. Uh, 2A, which country's population would occupy Canada? I believe that would be India. Correct. 2B, which continent would contain the populations of Japan, Iran, Mexico, Italy, Iraq, South Korea, and a ton more? I'm guessing, and because I'm, it's a pure guess here, I'm going to guess Africa. That is correct. Yeah, correct. Mm. And 2C, four countries would occupy the same space that they're in now. Yemen, Ireland, and Brazil are three of them. What is the other one? I think it's got to be Vatican City. Oh, that's a great guess. That is a really great guess. We were looking for the United States, though. Ah, that's a pretty good one. I kind of love Vatican City as a guess. Well, it's got eight, 800 permanent people, and it's tiny. Uh, which... I guess means that there must be a tinier country out there by in be. terms of square mileage. Must be. I wonder what that is. I will look that up during the break because yeah. now I want to know. Yeah, me too. Question number three. Which rock band had a hit in 2003 with the song Maps? Oh, boy. I figure like a hipper me should probably be able to come up with a real guess for this one because I feel like I must have heard it on the radio there. 
Uh, but I'm going to go for uh, that layer of granite below the surface because that's a band of rock, right? And you might <laughs> see that on a map. <laughs> We'd also take an um, Ignatius rock right? or igneous rock. Igneous Ignatius rock. <laughs> Ignatius rock uh, <laughs> is the name of my next band. <laughs> I think I hear my fourth grade teacher just like hitting her head on a book or something. <laughs> the correct answer there was the yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Number four. Yeah. The Peter's projection and the Mercator projection are different ways of looking at world maps. The Mercator has been used for a long time, but the Peter's project- projection fixes what problem? Uh, I'm trying vividly to remember that West Wing episode to see if there's some fancy scientific way I should be using to express this, but uh, it fixes the distortion areas of land, like where Greenland looks like it's the same size as Africa, even though in reality, it's about 14 times bigger. That Africa is does. correct. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. It's just, uh, the Mercator distorts the size of land masses. It enlarges those near the poles. Question number five, what is the word for the science of making maps? I was looking for something with ology in it, but I think we're looking for cartography. That is correct. So that's another 50 points for you. Number six, Interstate 40 runs from North Carolina to California, but Interstate 30 only runs through two states. What are they? I'm just making a blind guess here because I got no real instinct on this one at all. But I'm going to go with Texas and Oklahoma because they're in the middle of the damn country. You got, does he get half credit for Texas? Yeah, 50 points for that. I'll take it. The other one is Arkansas. Oh. Yeah, just I think the other direction, but uh, what a great guess. Yeah, nice job. Number seven, the fake locations put on maps to catch copycats and plagiarists eventually give their name of a John Green novel. Uh, Gave their name to a John Green novel. Yes, okay. I think our AI has uh, once again typed the question wrong for Julia to read. Did you pour beer into the battery pack? Clearly. No, I did. (gasps) All right about that. Damn it, Andrew. It's good beer. Uh, trying to fix your score. Um, what was the name of that John Green novel? I mean, it's, it's obviously going to be The Town of Faultstar. Haven't you ever the heard of Faultstar? Faultstar. <laughs> the correct answer is Paper Towns. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. And Julia, what is the AI telling you that Andrew's score is after two rounds? After that Maps and Legends round, your collective score is 800. Not bad. Not bad at all. Uh, We are getting close to having the fuel that we need. And this seems like a really good time for us to refuel. So we're going to go grab another beer and we're going to take a brief break. When we come back, we've got more Trivia Escape Pod. We are back with more Trivia Escape Pod, and if you guys like the show, you can really help us out by leaving us a review or telling a friend to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or TriviaEscapePod.com. Every time you refer a friend to the podcast, you are helping us to ensure that we continue to bring you great content. And also, you can try following us on Twitter at Trivia Escape Pod, and just like propose some questions, get us to talk to you. Um, sometimes the AI likes to take over and likes to be a little smart ass. That's true. During the break, Spock came through the bulkhead carrying his little Chromebook, and he had pulled up a website indicating that though we did not give Andrew credit for it at the time, one of his answers was correct because there are actually five countries that would occupy the same space they occupy now if you shifted populations to match 
borders and the size of the country. And Andrew had named the fifth one. Vatican City was a correct answer. So congratulations, Andrew. We have added 50 points to your score. So now he is at 850 for any of you guys playing along and trying to beat him. Now, I also noticed that just before he did that, Andrew, you gave Spock a can of tuna. Well, I'm I'm a bit of a scamp, I know, but uh, how can you not give whatever little bit of joy you've got in your body to someone who's going to appreciate it a little bit more? Mm-hmm. Pandering I, to the judges is what we call that. I want to know how you just happen to have tuna in your pocket. Well, it in, wasn't even in a can. In it fairness, was just like loose tuna. His escape pod is shaped like a hockey puck, which is shaped like a can of tuna. Mm. Yeah, well, you got to keep those objects just completely within the same sphere of each other. So, so was it just like an old recycled tuna can that you painted black like a hockey puck no i think that the uh if i'm gonna go for any kind of a a spaceship uh homage to any beloved object in history other than a flying saucer i'm gonna go with something that's representative of my home country but tuna is just completely coincidental (laughs) and that you wanted these things to match together you're right i'm connecting dots that aren't there Hmm? Well, let's jump into round three, Andrew. This is our change one letter movie round. And in this round, what has happened is that our AI has written new plots for 10 movies. Now, these plots are going to sound suspiciously like a movie that you may have heard of. And in fact, we think that the way that the AI is now scripting films is that it takes an existing movie, it changes one letter in the title... And then it writes a new plot, and the shades of the old film are still hanging around. Here's an example. The plot is that Harley Quinn, Deadshot, and Killer Croc team up to fight some cephalopods. Do you know the name of that film that the AI has written? Could that be Suicide Squid? That is correct. All right, so we've got ten of these. You clearly understand how it works, changing only one letter in the title of a familiar film. Julia, what is the plot to movie number one that our AI has written? Number one, Buzz Lightyear fights with a plastic bird that delivers babies. That seems like a, it could be Mortal Kombat right there. Are you sure it's Buzz Lightyear and not just Tim Allen punching birds? I could believe that Tim <laughs> Allen would just punch a bird. I know. I, I would watch either of those. <laughs> like, the image is weirdly real to me right now. I just, I feel like he would just be out walking one day and a bird would be in there and he'd be like, What'd you say to me? Yeah, fuck you, bird. We're talking, wow. we're talking like a little six inch bird that just flies in front of his face or like a 20 foot massive attacking bird like uh, on the par with some sort of large dinosaur. I'm kind of picturing like Scrapman with a goose on a lakeside. I'm, I'm kind of seeing Limu Emu from those terrible commercials. <laughs> Cuz like can't you see Tim Allen punching an emu in sunglasses? I was thinking kicking, but yeah, I'm going yeah. with you on that one. Here's plot number 2. Peter Parker spirals further and further into depression on a school trip. Ross, where was your favorite school trip you ever took? Oh, far and away. Okay, so I lived right outside D.C., so it was not a long trip. But we went to the uh, Lincoln Memorial and were able to go into the catacombs. There was that brief period where the Lincoln Memorial catacombs were open and you could go in. Cool. And they've they've since closed it off. Like, probably it hadn't been open for 25 years. But we were able to see some of the things that the workers who who built the Lincoln Memorial had scrawled on the 
supports of the building. Oh, wild. That's awesome. It's really neat. Sweet. What about you, Julia? Mm, favorite school trip. Okay, so I have a favorite school trip and a most memorable school trip. Uh, my favorite would be uh, grad bash of my senior year of high school where so growing up in florida we were fairly close to universal studios maybe like a three hour ish drive um they would do this thing for all high school seniors in the area where they would shut down the parks for normal patrons at 7 p.m and then from 7 p.m to 3 a.m it would just be a muck with high school seniors that sounds amazing it was fucking lit like all the all the rides were operable and you could just romp around and like it wasn't super cold out because we were in florida that sounds dreadful for everyone who worked at universal but amazing for you oh yeah totally and then my most memorable trip is uh i went to the florida keys to go shark tagging and i fucking fell off the boat oh (laughs) wait near sharks yes I was reeling in the line. I wondered was, why you only had one leg. <laughs> it was raining, and so both my feet just went whoop out from under me, and I went neck deep into the water, grabbed on instinct the still moving boat, like the back railing of it. So I was just like kind of pottering along because like it was raining. So all the other students were inside the research vessel. So the only people who saw me were my teacher and like one of the research scientists. So just thank God that they were there out on deck when I fell off. Seriously. (laughs) Andrew, any memorable school trips where you were almost eaten by sharks? (laughs) Well, I did take a bus trip down to Florida one time from Canada. I'm so sorry for you. That was mostly just the bus trip part that was miserable. (laughs) Florida was also swampy and stinky, too. Yeah, I'm so sorry for you. But we And and just to cap it off with everything else, we watched Star Wars Episode One, which at the same time felt kind of good until I realized it was a crappy, crappy movie. Also stinky, yeah. Mm. (laughs) All right, number three of our movie round. The son of Rocky Balboa's greatest opponent is chased into a maple by a bear. Would pay dollars to watch that movie. Kind of, yeah. I'm feeling like a Yogi Bear type thing. Number four. A talk show host with declining ratings hires an Indian American woman with little experience to participate in a boxing match. Would also like to witness these two actresses duking it out. Oh, I wouldn't. I like them both. I don't want to. No, I feel like it'd be funny. Uh, I guess it might be funny. I don't mean like a bloodshed thing. I just think they'd have a time with it. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm on board for the idea. Now, it's sad that I went immediate to terrible, immediately to (laughs) terrible violence. Uh, Number five, writer Lee Israel forges a set of letters from famous writers and avoids all odd numbers. That one would straight up star Richard E. Grant still <laughs> and be awesome. Here's plot number six, Andrew. Jean Grey is taken over by an unimaginable power, but remains a huge nerd. So, me. i am powerful but i am nerd if i ever see you flying through space jules wait i see you flying through space every week we're doing that at this very minute never mind uh so andrew i'm I'm guessing that uh you you have made reference to some nerddom are you a jean gray fan yeah she's all right she has her moments she's uh i mean it depends on which jean gray 
the the I haven't seen enough of the comic book side of things, but I'm always a Famke Jansen fan. Who's not really? And uh, Sansa Stark can can do what she does, but uh, I, I I gotta go with uh, with the original. I'm trying to think of those other non Star Trek roles she was in. She was the the uh, poker woman host in uh, in Roundress, wasn't she? She was good in that. Famke Jansen was. Famke Jansen was, yeah. I think that might be right. Yeah, I'm trying to think what else she was in. Cause... Well, Evil Bond Girl in Goldeneye. Oh, she was great in she Goldeneye. Was, she was pretty great she? in that. Clearly, yeah. she was the Grinch who stole Christmas. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> Julia, do you have a Jean Grey? Are you are you Sophie Turner or Famke Jansen? I am not familiar with the not Sophie Turner actress, like her movies or her as a person. I only saw her first on Star Trek, and that was pretty much the end of it for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number seven. A large newspaper in the nation's capital is infested with a single roach. Any roach is too many roaches for me. No fucking thank you. It'd be kind of amazing if, like, Woodward and Bernstein were just roaches. Depends on who you ask. They might have been called that on one one occasion. (laughs) Roaches have notably evolved in my lifetime, and it's terrifying to watch. talk more about that? Oh, yeah. So, like, again, growing up in South Florida, roaches in your house, like, all the goddamn time. No matter how nice of a house you have, it's always going to be full of roaches and lizards. So I I lived for about a half a year in Singapore, Mm -hmm. and you would not believe the the magnitude of insect (laughs) getting to your your place there. So when I was uh, working at the School of Science and Math in Durham, one of the students there was working in a research lab at NC State in his spare time where he figured out the exact temperature that you would need to lower an environment to to make roaches turn docile so that you could implant a camera into them. What? And so, yeah, that was his whole job was cooling things down to get the roaches to fall asleep. Wow. Yeah. Um. Oh, but yeah, so in Florida, like when I was a young child, they were dumb and slow. Like you saw a roach, it'd go like an inch in an hour and it would just stay there, wait for you to kill it. By the time I was like 14, those fuckers were fast. Like, and they were smarter too. Like they were imperceptibly smarter. Like I would be standing in the hallway and I was looking at one. It literally chased me throughout the house it knew to turn the corners i was taking and it chased me very quickly i think you're living in a video game but no like, I, a, like a horror video game my life is a horror video game mm-hmm. i think of that roach every goddamn day here's your eighth plot from our ai <laughs> moving on from my trauma and i just don't want to unpack that one honestly <laughs> In Depression-era Virginia, a trio of bootlegging brothers are threatened by a new special deputy who is a cat without feet. Spock. Spock, you wrote another question. I can tell. You always know which ones are Spock's. Oh, yeah, definitely. And number nine, Dick Cheney makes short videos in an app. Would pay to watch, hundred yeah. percent. Like, I feel like you'd just be confused. Like, what's the, what's this? What are these buttons? Yeah, that's probably true. I don't know. He is a smart and devious human being. He's smart, but there's definitely a learning curve with technology. I think oh, that's true. Number ten: the crew of the Starship Enterprise is perplexed when Khan turns off their internet. Which I mean, talk about villainy turning off the internet. 
Shut the front door. Yeah, I truly can't live without the internet. I keep thinking like, yeah, I could go a day without my phone, but truthfully I can't because not even just like texting my fiance, but like Google Maps, I need that. I don't know directions for shit. Well, and you know if Khan turns off your internet, it's a it's a villainous outage. Yeah. Or... It's not just, you know, Spectrum doing what Spectrum does. Mm, truth though. Which I gotta I gotta give props to the old Time Warner cable who figured out that they were so bad that they needed to change their name to buy a few years for people to figure out how bad Spectrum is. <laughs> All right, you ready to go over our answers for our movie round? Let's do it. Number one, Buzz Lightyear fights with a plastic bird that delivers babies. So would this be the toy stork? It would be indeed, starring Tim Allen fighting a bird. Number two, Peter Parker spirals further and further into depression on a school trip. I gotta say, I'm reaching for this one here because it's just not coming to me. But if anybody is going to get me into a depressive state based on their silky uh, tonal voice, it would be that voice of Ultron. So I'm going to go here with Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, unfortunately, it was Spider-Man Far From Hope. Ah. Uh, number three, the son of Rocky Balboa's grazed opponent is chased into a maple by a bear. That uh, bear have, have caused the person in the act to be treed? Yes, it would, indeed. Number four, a talk show host with declining ratings hires an Indian-American woman with little experience to participate in a boxing match. Uh, would this be the famous Mindy Kaling uh, Million Dollar Baby crossover late fight? Yes, it is. Again, I would definitely watch Mindy, <laughs> Mindy Kaling just duke it out. I watch her clobber anybody anytime. Yeah, I would definitely put money on her. Hmm. Uh, number six. Uh, no, number five. Just kidding. I can read. Uh, writer Lee Israel forges a set of letters from famous writers and avoids all odd numbers. I'm going to get... Uh... I'm gonna need, may need a little bit of a judgment on the first word here because I can't remember if it's will or can. But I'm going to go with, can you even forgive me? That is exactly correct. It is can. Mm. Number six, Jean Grey is taken over by an unimaginable power but remains a huge nerd. You know, I think I actually may have seen this title in some reviews of the movie because they felt it was the same quality as Dork Phoenix. A hundred percent. I did not even bother to see it. And I am such an ex-nerd, but I just... I'm a Sophie Turner nerd, and I didn't want to see it. I just looked at it and I thought, I can't with you. I can't. Number seven, a large newspaper in the nation's capital is infested with a single roach. Uh, would that be our good friend, the pest? Yes. That might, I'm still traumatized, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number eight. In Depression-era Virginia, a trio of bootlegging brothers are threatened by a new special deputy who is a cat without feet. You're making me work for this one, because I'm, I'm, uh, I'm nowhere near anywhere resembling a correct answer. That's because you don't remember the original movie, because hardly anyone does. Not a great or terribly noteworthy movie. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to try and, and, uh, and work with this one here, because the cat without feet thing... Should be inspiring quite a bit of, you know, a little bit of sad inspiration, and yet the weirdest, funniest head images. <laughs> but uh, uh, I'm going to say something along the lines of the fabulous Baker toys. <laughs> <laughs> no, Spock, uh, Spock is very upset with you that you didn't get it. He's just come through the bulkhead, and he's just glaring at you. The correct answer is Paulus. I don't even know the original movie. Yeah, Lawless. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Again... 
no one else saw it. But Spock was very pleased with himself for writing that question, as you can tell from his menacing little smile. Stop that, very, buddy. Very troll. Very droll, Spock. He is a... He's kind of a creepy podcat. <laughs> uh, number nine, Dick Cheney makes short videos in an app. I don't think I'd ever want to watch a Dick Cheney vine. <laughs> that is correct. Number 10, the crew of the Starship Enterprise is perplexed when Khan turns off their internet. Well, I'm working with this one for a while, and I'm not going to come up with a real answer, so I'm just going to go with Star Trek into dankness. Help on that one. <laughs> well, you got the title of the movie, right? Yeah. Star Trek Info Darkness. Ah, there we go. We also would have taken Star Trek Inf- Into Darknets. Oh, that was like, okay. uh, yeah, we would have taken that. Someone answered that at a live show yeah, once, so true. I had to give credit for that. That's true. Yeah. That's good. Julia, after three rounds, how is Andrew doing? Andrew is doing great with 1,200 points so far. Hot dog. That yeah. means we have powered the pod for another week. Thank you, Andrew. But we're not done. We can get some bonus points to see if we can get a little closer to our favorite new constellation, which is basically just the shape of the turtle from those Can You Draw This ads. It's an important constellation. We yeah. all have it drilled in our minds. Oddly enough, there is a star cluster that looks just like that. It's probably just God seeing, can he draw this? No, God can't. He left us <laughs> the dots. <laughs> Our final question for you, trivia-wise, we've got one more after this, but it's not trivia, is a top 10 question, and each correct answer to this top 10 question will be worth 100 points. Of course, you get 10 guesses for this single question. According to History Collection, who were the 10 greatest military tacticians in all of history so we're talking people who are good at war me and me and the grinch stole christmas and me julia why are you so good at war all of a sudden because i play a lot of fire emblem <laughs> i have yet to play that it's really good is that's the one where arnold schwarzenegger does commercials what is that? No, maybe not. No, that's I uh, know that's the You're that's the Lord of, like of War a, or something like that's that. That's like a mobile game. That's a mobile game for sure. Oh, is Fire Emblem not a mobile game? No, it's like a JRPG uh, army tactician game. I am so way off. <laughs> but again, as as I've discussed before, my video game playing pretty much stops at 1997. It's it's very plot driven. And wait, there are Fire Emblem games in 97. I think when when did they start? There, it's an old series, but they still make more. Huh. Well, I've uh, I've spent most of my recent gaming time uh, deeply engaged in Transport Tycoon. Is that a different thing than Roller Coaster Tycoon? I've never and, heard of and Railroad Tycoon. Yeah, I've I never do. heard of Transport Tycoon. Yeah, I do all kinds of you know <laughs> tycoon games. Um, my latest gaming craze has been the newest Pokemon game. Because despite all the flack it was getting online, because people weren't happy with it. I freaking love it. It's so charming and delightful and it's great and it's cute and you get to cook curry for your Pokemon and it's just really cute. Cooking curry for your Pokemon sounds suspiciously like what I have to do for Heidi three nights a week. Heidi is your Pokemon. Oh my God, really? You caught her. They, she has the ring. You caught her. Uh, I would, But that would make me her trainer. <laughs> I feel confident that she is my trainer. <laughs> She caught you. (laughs) 
Well, Andrew, let's check in with you and see how you're doing. According to History Collection, who were the 10 greatest military tacticians in all of history? Well, there's a lot to pick from here. There and are. Of, and of course, my brain's leading me towards the bad ones. There, Some of them are on this list. So, okay. so like um, uh, Field, uh, General Melchett from Blackadder, he was definitely not on there. But we all remember him because he was so bad. Sure. So that's a possibility. All right. So I have what I think are 10 serious answers, and I was trying to come up with a dumb one, but that would mean I have to kick one who might actually plausibly be on there. Yeah, and you let's know stay what? serious. Let's get some points here. Yeah. You know, I'm going to knock off the one that I think is not on the list because, you, well, do you say military tacticians? Military or tacticians. Yeah. Okay. Any any military. So we're, any we're military, all over the place. Uh, oh. I said army because I was just grabbing fire emblem. Okay. That's true. All right. Well, then I'm going to come up with, going to give you 10 real ones and then a couple of fake ones. Well, give us the fake ones first I think to light us to no end. All right. I think we got to go with Yosemite Sam anytime he did a Civil War reenactment. Oh, man. True. Um, uh, yep. That's 100 points. I think I got to give Cartman whenever he did a Civil War reenactment. <laughs> that's 100 points. That's, that's not even a fake answer. He is number one He's on the list. Absolutely. Oddly enough. Yeah. Well, I mean, he roused that with, <laughs> with nothing but schmorschnops. How are you going to do anything but? And uh, I was going to say. Um, if we're going to give a Star Trek answer here, Khan kind of did quite a bit on his own there, too. He did indeed, sadly, Khan... not on the list. No. Sad, yeah. Sadly, the fictional, the extra fictional ones, um, you know, we didn't actually have the nuclear war if they were all counting on to make that one work. Well, also, uh, his Ricardo Montalbanness uh, left him off the list. Well. He's a little too Ricardo Montalban. And he's just too good, so why would he uh, be? On the... I, I got to admit, like, Benedict Cumberbatch whatever fine you know perfectly acceptable but 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 not from hell's heart i stab at the <laughs> right. great great hamminess right yeah. and like i yeah well you know and i bet to that cumberbatch point sherlock holmes might have been okay with it if he was not so sure i just i want a villain who could also run fantasy island yes sir. that's just all i want out of a villain yeah right. setting your stance kind of high here you know? i know i really am all right here's my list of 10 here we go in, ver- in varying order um, uh, number one, uh, went with the Desert Fox, went with Rommel. Yeah, Rommel is on our list, so that's worth 100 points. All right. I'm going for Rommel's favorite opponent, the son of a bitch. He read your book, uh, General George S. Patton. Also on our list. Another 100 points for you. Okay. Going to go with he rode elephants, not kangaroos, across the Rubicon. That would be Hannibal. Hannibal was the number one greatest tactician of in all of history on this list very nicely done so you've got 300 points already all right uh then i went back in time and went with henry v henry v not not on the list Mm -mm. he won some pretty big battles he did but he mostly just did that by having a lot of archers which that might not be tactical that might just be archer power (laughs) that's just being good at archery yeah all right then i went uh back to the civil war and i went with robert e lee not on the list, although I know a, a number of people will consider him one of the great tacticians. He is not on this list. All right. I also went with Ulysses S. Grant. Also not on this list. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, I got Alexander the Great. Yes. He is number three on this list. All right. Similar to the old one, I went Julius Caesar. Yes. Julius Caesar is on the list. He's number eight. Okay. Uh, and then I went uh, Napoleon Bonaparte. Number, number two, two on the list. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, now I feel like I should go back and and go for older people, but I went with another uh, contemporary American who might have been good at this stuff and went with Admiral Halsey. Oh, not on the list. I should have gone with Admiral Nelson. Also not on the list. (laughs) So it wouldn't have mattered. All right. 
All right, so here is the list according to History Collection, the 10 greatest military tacticians in all of history. Number one was Hannibal. Number two, Napoleon Bonaparte. Number three, Alexander the Great. Number four, Sun Tzu. Ah. Number five. I thought he just wrote a book. Well, yeah, but it was a tactical book. That's true. Number five, Erwin Rommel. Number six, George S. Patton. Number seven, David the Fourth of Georgia, a.k.a. David the Builder. Obviously. Yeah. Number eight, Julius Caesar. Number nine, Genghis Khan. Ah. Uh, and yeah. no, number 10, Saladin. Oh, okay. Julia, what is Andrew's final score? Um, The computer is flashing up red because he wasn't sure if you're actually counting those Yosemite Sam answers or not. Oh, I mean, that, that seems obvious to me that those were right, but the computer can decide. <laughs> well, if we are counting them as correct, then you have an even 2,000 points for the Hot night. Dog. Party like it's 1999 plus one. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, as always, all of our questions were provided by our AI supercomputer. So if you think it made a mistake, shoot us an email at TriviaEscapePod at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at TriviaEscapePod. You can also suggest a question, a theme for a round, or even better, a top 10 question. Because if we're using history collection As a reference, we're clearly reaching deep into the annals of top 10 questions. You can also ask us one non-trivia question, and we will offer that each week to one of our guests. And Julia, it seems to me like we should ask Andrew a non-trivia question. Yeah, so we have a little bit in the holiday season question. What is your favorite holiday movie? Oh my, all right. Uh, I'm going to try and stay away from the the Christmas one because I'm going to have to reach for something different, I think. Because if you go Christmas movie, then you have that whole uh, action movie debate that gets dropped in, which are definitely good. No no doubt about that. Um, Everyone aboard this ship does agree that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. All right. Moving on. All right. Um, would you accept the the fake answer the Leap Year movie from 30 Rock starring Jim Carrey as Leap Year? Oh, it was called Leap Dave Williams. That's what it was called. I did love that episode, but also there is a Leap Day movie. Is there, It was just called Leap Day or something like that? Uh, no, it's Leap Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had Amy Adams and it was a rom-com. Okay. It was I, terrible. I have not seen that one. <laughs> that one or the fake Martin Luther King Day movie from also from 30 Rock. Both of those would be God, 30 Rock is just a treasure. I just a it. total font of, of <laughs> wonderful fake movies. But if we're going to go for a serious one here, I'm going to roll through it. There's no Arbor Day movie or anything. Right? Uh, what about Werewolf Bar Mitzvah? Spooky, Spooky scary. scary. <laughs> Boys becoming men. Men, men becoming, becoming wolves. wolves. <laughs> I love the full version of that song just as much as the short clip. I just love that show. Anyway, yes. your actual answer. Oh, boy. I gotta, I'm got i racking my brain here. I think I'm going to have to go with Independence Day as a favorite movie. That's a holiday. Okay. July 4th. Not what I was expecting, but no. okay. It's definitely set on a holiday. It's something I'd watch again and again for various reasons. But if we had to go actual deeper into a into a December holiday movie, I think the the um, the original cartoon How the Grinch Stole Christmas is definitely a, a high ranker for me. So there. not the uh, not cu- the, not the cucumber. Not Benny. the cucumber. I'm thinking the classic one. With, not, not Benny Cucumber. Not Benny Cucumber. I'm thinking the classic one with uh, with um, Tony the Tiger <laughs> and uh, and Boris Karloff and and all the delightful stuff from, yes. from childhood. Okay. Understandable. Yeah. Ross, what about you? Favorite holiday movie? Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Wow. Good, you were I, ready with that answer. You were out cut. the gate. I'm sorry. I love it. Uh, like a good Muppet. And the thing... I, I am very pro-Muppet. That is, <laughs> uh, that is a fact about me. But also... I never get tired 
of the Nightmare. And their song, do you remember the band? I've never seen them. They're from, oh, okay. So they're the band from Riverbottom. And their lead singer is Chuck, who's a bear. And Chuck is very menacing because Chuck will say things like, I'm hungry. And, you know, that's terrifying to children. Uh, The band band also has a, a snake, I think a fish in a fish tank that spits on people. Um, and their songs are uh, basically about being mean. And I got to tell you, they also like this thing was done in the late seventies, early eighties. Uh, the sound of the band is sort of like, uh, early kiss with an organ (laughs) and it's awesome. That's a sound. Yeah. And the best part of it is they win the competition. They beat the <laughs> earnest little otter, who I loved as a kid. And even still, I love Emmett Otter and I love I love his friends. But I freaking enjoy it that the mean kids from the next town over just crush at the competition. <laughs> well, they earned it. But also, I really, I love the story. I'm such a sap. I love Emmett Otter. I love all the songs, too. The songs are great. Hole in the Wash Tub. That is A1 music. I will need to watch this movie when I get home. Oh, it's great. Or when I'm in stasis. It's great. Uh, <laughs> Julia, you have not answered the question. Favorite holiday movie? Um, My favorite holiday movie is The Holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, Because it's the one with... Uh, it's Cameron Diaz and Kate Winslet switching houses? Yes, that one. Exactly okay. that. It's like pre-Airbnb. And Cameron Diaz and Kate Winslet are just, just like sick of their lives. Uh, Kate Winslet lives in like a cute little London cottage. And then Cameron Diaz has like lavish LA producer lifestyle. And they're both just sick of it. And then they find each other on like a home swap website and they switch lives. And it's a rom-com and it's truly a Christmas miracle because Kate Winslet gets with Jack Black and it works. Well, that's a miracle for Jack Black at least. Yes. Um, but it's cute. It's charming. I'm normally not one for like sappy rom-coms, but this is like makes fun of itself because like it like announces all of the rom-com tropes because one of the characters is a film producer and he was like nah if you want to be the leading lady you gotta do this this and this and like he's explaining the plot of a rom-com and it's just really (laughs) funny um okay well i'm gonna throw that one on my list as well as the nightmare before christmas which i still have not seen despite it being around for 20 or so years that's good because that double counts a holiday too yeah yeah that's a double dipper um Mm. good movie good good movie i've been tempted to like uh do a couple's costume my fiance where we're uh Jack and Sally. Hmm. I think that'd be cute because they're both fucking tall. (laughs) Well, the oxygen monitor is telling me that it's just about time for us to say goodbye. But before you go, Andrew, tell us a little bit about some of the things you've got coming up or things that you're excited about. Well, I I will tell you one thing that one of the things that happens every December or so is I get into the giving spirit. And one of the things that touched my life and many others around is cancer. Um, not me personally, but a number of people that I've cared about over time. And so usually, because it also rolls around with Jeopardy Tournament of Champions time, there's an opportunity to get together with other people and raise awareness and donate something to the cause. And this year, they in particular did a thing because one of the contestants um, who was supposed to be in the tournament uh, died of pancreatic cancer earlier this year, and Alex Trebek himself is also suffering from it. And a number of the contestants there put together a little fundraiser uh, for the Lust Garden Foundation, for uh, specifically looking at pancreatic cancer research. It's one of the most difficult to recover from. Uh, one of the few that has a five-year survival rate of less than 10%. 
So I'm going to plug it right now that there is a fundraiser out there if you wanted to join and hop on with them to give to the Lust Garden Foundation. Uh, but if you yourself wanted to chip in a little and didn't know where was best to put it, I can guarantee you're going to do some real good putting it there. So please donate if you have the opportunity. And even if you don't, you just want to give a little bit. And we'll drop a link to that in the show notes. So just follow that URL and throw a couple bucks towards that very important cause. Mm-hmm. Very great of you to announce that for us. Thank you, Andrew. You're welcome. Julia, what do you got going on this week? It's, I mean, it's Christmas Eve. Probably not a whole lot. Um, Nothing super specific except some nice family time and all that fun stuff. But if you guys are interested in any tarot card questions you may have for me, you can easily find me at Tall Sunflower Tarot on Instagram or Facebook. I don't have a Twitter yet. Um, and I can give you a New Year's reading so we can see how the year of 2020 will go for you. I've been learning more about mapping lunar cycles so we can see when is the best time to bring forth what you want to manifest and when to drop some shit. And speaking of New Year's, you can catch us at Linda's Bar and Grill on New Year's Eve as well as every Tuesday night after that. Don't go there tonight because... There will not be anybody there. We are closed. Except maybe some reindeer. Uh, but you can catch us every Tuesday, 8 p.m. at Linda's Bar and Grill on Franklin Street in Chapel Hill. We are in the down bar with two hours of live trivia. It's always a good time. So check it out. Andrew, we are so glad to have had you here. It's my pleasure to be here. And uh, because our oxygen is getting low, we're gonna, uh, we are going to get you back into your pod. But if you will look out the porthole just over here to your left, you will see what Spock and Engineer Rachel have been working on during the hour that we've had you aboard. They have modified our spacewalk arm into a giant hockey stick. So as soon as you are back on your ship, it looks like they are going to send you... Flying through space with an amazing slap shot. Going to launch me with a high clapper, huh? Indeed, indeed, indeed. Right in the five hole of space. Oh, <laughs> space can take it. All right. Well, here, Andrew is headed back through the airlock. Bye. And that's it for us, y'all. Happy holidays from Trivia Escape Pod. We'll see you right back here next Tuesday. Bye-bye. Ciao. You know what?